Well, last week we got up to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. Before we carry on from that point, I'd like to speak to everybody, and that's not just Martin and Elna who are here on this voice Bible study, but to the people who are listening, I'd like to share with you what God asked me to do which is the purpose for this whole Bible study. He, he asked me, would I teach the teachers slash preachers how to rightly divide the word of truth? And to the best of my ability, that's what I have been doing since that point in time. What I want to do is just run over what the main points are. And do you know what? I, I just don't... There's, there's just a thing about me, I don't like, you know, these ten points or these six points or these, you know, steps to doing this, that or the other. There's a probably a lot more facets or aspects to rightly dividing the word of truth than the ones that I'm going to cover uh, right now. The main one, the main one, the very, very top one, is that we use the character and true nature of God. That's what we use to filter the word of God that we hear or that we read. And it doesn't matter whether it's us reading the Bible for ourselves, if it, or whether we're in a church or at a meeting and somebody's out the front preaching to us. See, the Holy Spirit is our 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 counselor. He's our guide, um, and he leads us into all truth. Now, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to give us a red light or a green light. He doesn't have amber lights. What will happen is if if you hear something that is not in line with the true nature and character of God, you'll get a red light about it. I call it a check. That's what we call it, isn't it, Gloria? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a check from the Holy Spirit what it actually means is he's alerting us that we need to rightly divide the word of truth. In other words, you're hearing something and there's just something about it that's just, uh-oh, that just does not fit with the true nature and character of God that I know. Now that's the first, that's the first element. That, and that is the main one, the absolute top of the tree you might say and if I can use this as an example it's like if somebody was to say something that was out of character with Gloria who I know intimately and we're supposed to know our God in that same intimate fashion fashion we're supposed to know his word so well that we know him intimately so if somebody was to say something that wasn't in line with Gloria's true nature and character I wouldn't have to run to Gloria and say to her did you say this or did you do that I would dismiss it in a moment of time because I know her I know her intimately and we're supposed to be the same way with our God the second thing that we need to do to be able to rightly divide the word of truth is to be able to to look at, if we're reading, say, the book of, let's use the book of Romans as an example. If we're, using, if we're reading the book of Romans or Ephesians as we are tonight, then we need to know 
the overview of the book that we're reading. Well, let's let's use, seeing as we are doing a Bible study of Ephesians, let's use Ephesians. So what is the book of Ephesians about? Well, the first, Ephesians is made up of six chapters. The first three chapters of, of Ephesians are a condensed version of who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. That is really, really important when it comes to defending yourself because we do have an adversary, the devil, who was walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. Well, who is it that he may devour? It's people who do not know who they are in Christ. Because when God equips us to defend ourselves, then basically he expects us to do it. He expects us to defend ourselves. And we do that by walking in the authority that he has delegated to us in the name of Jesus. So the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are telling us who we are in Christ, what authority we have in that name, that name that is above every name. Chapters 4, 5 and 6 tell us how to walk in that authority. So let me just go over that again. The whole book of Ephesians, it's six chapters. The first three chapters tell us who we are in Christ and the remaining three chapters tell us how to walk in that authority and dominion that has been restored to us in the name of Jesus. So, if we were looking at the book of Romans, um, then we would apply the same thing. In other words, we're, to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, we need to have an overview of that book. Well, what is the book of Romans about? Well, it's not a journey from... It is a journey, but it's not a journey from uh, Jerusalem to Rome. It's a journey from the law of Moses to the grace of Jesus Christ. Well, if you've got an understanding of the overview of the book that you're going to study, it makes rightly dividing the word of truth that much easier. The third thing that we need to know is who is the author? Who is the author of the book that, um, that we're doing a Bible study of or that we're reading from? Who is that author? What are his credentials? Now, Paul generally, in the books that he's written, which is basically half of the New Testament of the Bible, he generally sets out his credentials in the first three verses of, the, of whatever book it is. And then he, uh, hopefully the author will also tell us what his methodology for ministry is. In other words, how does he minister to people? Because if you're going to rightly divide the word of truth, you need to understand how the man ministers, what method he uses for ministry, so that you can rightly divide it rightly understand it, uh, get a handle on it. Now, his methodology for ministry, Paul, who wrote both Romans that are referred to before 
and the book of Ephesians that we're reading now is over in um, in uh, where is it? First Corinthians chapter nine, verses nineteen to twenty-three. And I'm going to hand over to Gloria and ask her to read First Corinthians chapter nine, verses nineteen to twenty-three. And it's um. There's no need to read it slowly, Gloria. Just read it at normal speed, because it, it's pretty well, it's pretty pretty much self-explanatory. It's not like some some verses where you've really got to dig to understand it. Paul's just telling us straight to our face. This is this is what I've learnt. I've learnt from experience that this is the best best method that I know of how to minister to people. From 19, chapter 9, verse 19. Chapter 9, verse 19 to 23. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be partaker of it with you. Okay, so the summary sum, summarises at the end. I have learnt to be all things to all men. So what he's saying there is that to be able to minister to people, he's got to win their hearts. And he's found that the best method for doing this is to put himself in their shoes. I have learnt to become all things to all men and he breaks down the group into into the into the various groups and he says I'm um, could you just read one of the groups Gloria um, any one of them just pick one of them out uh, any one of the verses yes, okay um, to the to, to, I've learned and to the Jews I became as a Jew okay to the Jews I became as a Jew so he's if he's ministering to the Jews he will be referring to himself, I this, I that, but he places him, remembering he's not telling lies, remember that he is placing himself in their shoes. And now particularly when you're reading Romans chapter 7, this, is, this makes, if you can understand this, it makes it particularly easy to rightly divide if you know this method of ministry. So if you're going to jot anything down tonight, then I think that the, probably the most important group of verses is 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23, which is the Apostle Paul's method of ministering to people. Because you got, Why is this so important? Because he wrote half of the New Testament. And if you've got a handle on how he ministers to people, not just in Ephesians, not just in Romans, Always, that's the way he does it. He puts himself in their shoes because he's. Before you can minister to anyone, and you'll be ministering, you're probably already ministering to people, Martin, and you too, Eleanor. 
before you can minister to anyone, before they can receive from you, they've got to open their heart to receive. And you do that by building a relationship. And this is what Paul's telling you. He says, I have learnt this. This is the way I build relationships with people because then they can empathise with, with me. They, because I'm not really decide, describing my situation, I'm describing their situation. I don't want to labour the point, but obviously I feel that it is a very, very important point. So um, uh, that's why I emphasise it so much. Going back to, I think that was uh, about the third thing on my list of how to rightly divide the word of truth. Let's have a look at the fourth thing. The fourth thing, and I guess these are listed in, in, in uh, relevance or importance. The false thing is knowing who the audience is in the book of the Bible that you are reading or that's being, if it's somebody preaching out the front, you need to know who, if they're reading from Ephesians, then who are these people? Who is he addressing? Who's, who's Paul addressing in Ephesians? If we can go to um, Ephesians chapter 1, um, Actually, I might read it, Gloria. I'll just. Yeah. I use an iPad, and it. There's one. I have to um, close it down. Okay. Okay. It starts off first one, right up front. Paul says, "I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God." So that's his credentials. And who's he writing to? The saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful. In Christ Jesus. So that includes every single person who's born again. He's not writing to the world. So the the writings in Ephesians are only applicable to born again Christians. Back to my list of how to rightly divide the word of truth. Probably in importance, number five you might say, is Ephesians 4 verse 23, which is a very short verse. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now this is a decision. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's like, can I call it an attitude? You might go, you you would have heard, um, get into the spirit of things, um, the old school spirit. I'm giving you worldly examples of, of what this means. It's be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's It, it can be confused with Romans, is it 12.8 or 8.2? Or, can you have a look at that, the one that it can be confused with? This is a decision. It's a, Basically what it is, it's a decision to walk in the spirit. And... The Word of God, which you're trying to rightly divide, is written to your spirit. So if you're not walking in the spirit, and of course everybody that's born again is in the spirit. One, you're, the moment you're born again, you're in the spirit. But not everybody who's in the spirit is walking in the spirit. And Ephesians 4.23 tells us to... Be renewed in the spirit of, the, of your mind, or in, in other words, make a decision to walk in the spirit. Did you find that over there in Romans? Um, what was the... What I think it's 8, 
8.2 or 12.2 or something like that. Um, let me just let me just go there and go over to Romans. And do not and be conformed to this yeah. world, but be transformed yeah, by the Where renewing of your mind. Romans twelve two. Okay, can you read read Romans twelve two? And the reason I'm reading this, not that it has any bearing on what we're talking about, but I want to I want you to see that uh, this verse in Romans is a process mm. where Ephesians four twenty three is a decision, and they sound very similar but they're not the same. They're not one and the same. So read the verse in Romans, please, Gloria. Okay, so Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so that's, that's the transformation of your mind by the reading of the word where the one in Ephesians 4.23 is a decision to walk in the Spirit, you might say. And why do you need to be walking in the Spirit to rightly divide the Word of Truth? Well, the Word of Truth is written to our spirit, so if you're carnally minded or walking in the flesh, there is absolutely no way you're going to be able to rightly divide the Word of Truth. It'll be just flow along, flowing downstream, and anything anything will go because um, you know you've got to be in the spirit to rightly divide the the word of God and I guess the last thing is um, let me just go to my notes here to operate in the gift of the discerning of spirits because the word tells us to test all spirits and yes you can test the spirits by listening because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks but that can be a long process. Um, as we have, we can all operate in the gifts of the Spirit, then I believe you listen to the Holy Spirit and test all spirits. And when, when people say to you, test all spirits, people seem to immediately jump to uh, angels and demons and that sort of thing. But I think the Bible is mainly talking about the spirit of man. Every man is a spirit. We are spirit, soul and body, but primarily we are a spirit. And that's, that's it. As I said before, there's not just six things to rightly divide the word of truth, but if I have to explain it, I guess, you know, there's probably more facets to it than that. Are there any questions, uh, Martin? Would, have you got any questions for me? Good, thank you. All good? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, and what about you, Eleanor? Are you happy with the way I've described that or would you like to add anything or ask any questions? No, you've made it very plain and clear to me. Okay, thank you, Eleanor. Um, all right. Well, we might go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think and um, I believe that the last time uh, the last Bible study on Ephesians we did we got up to uh, verse 11 and we from my memory not because I've got it written down in front of me but I believe in verse 11 we looked at um, predestinated and we looked at that in quite quite a lot of depth mm. 
Is is that your recollection of it too, Eleanor? Yes, it is. Okay, so we might not go over that again. Mm. Um, we do have that recording, and um, Bobby phoned me earlier tonight, asked me for a link to last week's recording, and I've fallen a little bit behind with my chores, and uh, I haven't got it up yet, so I've promised to put it up for him, and I'll put this one up with it too. Um, I might start reading from 11 and go over and do 12 because it's actually followed, 12 follows on from 11. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, just read 11 and 12. I probably won't have a lot to say about 11 and 12, yeah. um, but if you could do that first and then we'll see if uh, either Eleanor or Martin have got any questions on it or comments to make. Okay. okay, so that's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Okay. Um, do you have any uh, questions there, Eleanor? No, I understood that one last week. Okay, all right. And how about you, Martin? That's good, thank you. Okay. Gloria, if you could read 13 and 14 together, please. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I might get you to pull up there. Sorry to interrupt. That's all right. I know these two are connected together, but that's probably... Uh, you know, if I can just read it again, that verse 13. In whom you also trusted, after you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise so yeah there's a lot in that I'll just start from the beginning in whom ye also trusted so we trusted after we heard the word of truth which is the gospel of our salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise is very, very important because if you ever hear of a born-again person Somebody, you know, somebody's trying to deliver a demon out of a born-again person, have them delivered of, of demons, you might say. That's incorrect, or that's wrong. Either the person wow. wasn't, either the person was not born again, because just think about it. When this verse is telling us that after we and my my iPad is shut down, just bear with me in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom after that you believed you were sealed 
with the Holy Spirit of promise. This seal is for the purpose of protecting your spirit. Nothing can contaminate it. It is as pure as, as Jesus' spirit. And not only that, but your body, not your spirit, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, there is absolutely no way known that the Holy Spirit is going to share his temple with an evil spirit. Just not going to happen. Just no way known. Furthermore, your spirit is 100% pure and has been sealed by God with the Holy Spirit of promise. So what I'm saying is a born-again person cannot be possessed by a demon or be, be demon-possessed or, or have any uh, evil spirit in them. So if you ever come across somebody who's talking about delivering someone from demons who is supposedly born again, it's wrong. Either the person is not born again, never was born again, or the demonic influence is on the outside, not on the inside. Because people can come under demonic influence by just being in the flesh and opening the door to demonic influence. But that demon cannot be on, on the inside. Uh, would you like to read the next verse, please, Gloria? Next verse, verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? Okay. Do you want to read it again, Gloria, mm -hmm. please? Who is the guarantee... Okay, so we'll go back to the bit before... You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, I'm going to go to my notes here. Redemption of the purchased possession. And I've got a dash explained. So I guess I've got to explain it. <laughs> oh dear. Romans 8.23 I might go over there I think um, and I'm going to read actually I'll read it Romans 8.23 because that's sort of a concise or a summary or explanation and what are we trying to explain we're trying to explain these words in verse 14 Ephesians 1 verse 14 it says redemption of the purchased possession so let me give you just off the top of my head a bit of an overview of it when we were born again, we are a three-part being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Now, all three parts of Gary, Eleanor, Martin, and Gloria, all three parts of us were purchased by the blood of Jesus at the cross. But only one part of each of us has been redeemed and that part is our spirit. 
our mind, which is in the soulish realm, has to be transformed by the renewing or the washing of the word of God. And our body will be uh, redeemed when we go to be with the Lord. And at that stage we get a glorified body. I think we've, we've discussed this before, haven't we, Eleanor? No, not this part, I don't think. We haven't discussed no. this before? No. Okay. We may have in the first... Um, uh, maybe, maybe I'm getting my Bible studies mixed up. Uh, let me go to... Um, I want to go over and have a look at this in, in greater depth. But first of all, I'll read Romans 8, verse 23. It says... And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our bodies. Right? So our bodies have been purchased, but they have not yet been redeemed. For greater detail, we'll go over to Romans 8, and I'm going to read verses 17 to 23 over in Romans 8. I'm going over to Romans 8. I'm going to verse 17. Okay. And I'm just breaking in, so this will lead into it. And an actual fact, it, it tells us here in Romans, it tells us a little bit about um, what we were, what, what has also been described over in Ephesians. Um, and it says, just breaking in at verse 17 of Romans chapter 8. And if children, children of God, of course, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we have suffered with him, that we also, that we may be also glorified together. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And of course that glory, as we've discussed before, is uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. For the earnest expectation of creation, or creature, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's verse 19. For the creature was made subject, or creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Verse 21. Because the creature itself, or the creation itself, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we, verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our bodies. So you can see this is confirmation that even though our body, uh, soul and spirit were all purchased by the blood of Jesus at the cross, only our spirit at this stage has been redeemed. How about you, Eleanor? Are you happy with that explanation? 
I, I think it's fantastic because Kirsty is with me right now. And oh, Aiden, hi, Kirsty. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, We're pleased to have you. Look at you. As I was trying to say, and Kirsty, one of the questions uh, that we have asked each other because of what we hear on TV is obviously. Uh, if you're a born-again Christian, you can't be demon-possessed. Yeah. So we're really happy about that, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So thank you for that one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, as we go through Bible study, that's what it's about. It's about drawing the nuggets out that, that you find as we go along. But, yeah, that's what that's what I've, I've always done, is uh, just listen and draw out the nuggets. And, you know, so many times... Yeah, I've come across I've come across people that uh, are trying to deliver demons where there are no demons, you know. Mm. And um, yeah. yes, a born again person can come under the influence of 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 demons, but they cannot be demon possessed. The demons, Amen. demons could be on the outside, but they cannot in no way can they get on the inside. And okay. yeah, and and I'll just reiterate what I said before because the uh, the spirit of the person is is not only been purchased but it has been redeemed, and at that point it was sealed with the Holy Spirit of prom- promise, and so the purpose of that is it's pure enough to enter into heaven, pure, a hundred percent pure, because the standard to get into heaven is perfection. The standard is Jesus, and so our spirit is in the image of Christ. And you know, when we go to go to heaven, our soul and our body have to be up to that standard of perfection, and that's why the redemption of our soul and our body is at that last moment when we when we enter heaven. Yeah, so. Sorry, I've I've lost my place, Gloria. I was getting we were, we got so carried the, away with my conversation yeah. with Eleanor there. That That's all right. We we got <laughs> up to the end of verse fourteen. Verse fourteen uh, about the purchase possession. Okay. So we're up to fifteen, which is um, uh, the Holy Spirit prayer. The, the yeah. prayer, Holy Spirit prayer. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Would you like to read? Uh, 15, 16 and 17 please, Gloria. Okay. Making mention of you in my prayers. Do you want me to go into the prayers? Um, yeah, well, verse 17. Um, yeah, okay, so we've gone uh, 15 and 16 you just read then, yeah. didn't you? Can, can I just mention that the, the prayer that's about to follow is a really good prayer to pray for people 
Yes. Yeah, to pray for us. To pray for us, but also mm. specifically. If anyone wants to pray a prayer for me, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good to put your loved ones in here, to put, um, you know, people who, who uh, you know. Mm. Uh, verse 17. Yeah. Um, through to right to the end of the chapter is a prayer. Yeah. Right? Now, Paul is praying that prayer for us. Right? Let, let me just... Let, let me go 50, verses 15 and 16. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith... Let me read it from the other version of the Bible. It's a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and all your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. It's okay. So he's going to make mention. This is Paul, the apostle. He's going to make mention of us in his prayer. Mm. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, so this is his prayer for Eleanor, uh, for Martin, for Gloria and for Gary, um, for Kirsty, and for anyone else that is written is listening. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is is praying this over us that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, to us. You can put your name in there. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that you, Elna or Martin, yes. may know what is the hope of his calling, the Father God's calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fits all in all. Praise God. How good is that? Yeah. That is one powerful prayer that Paul prayed for each of us. Well, Father God, thank you for this time of Bible study. We know that where two or three are gathered in your name, that Jesus is here with us, and we are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you that your word brings revelation and knowledge of the truth. We thank you that by your Holy Spirit, your word is brought to our remembrance, and that the nuggets that Elna and Kirsty and Martin have uh, had revealed by your spirit to them today out of your word that those nuggets will be alive because your word is a living word. It is spirit and it is life. We thank you for it and we close this meeting in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.